1: Up to $100. Just visit slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy.
2: Welcome into the Stochastic.com MMA strategy show. here to get you ready for Saturday's UFC 277, headlined by two rematches both title fights. Of course, you got Juliana Payne making her first title defense in a immediate rematch. Against the man Nunez, and then you got remaster the interim flyway tile, Brandon Moreno taking on Kai Kara France. We'll be here for the next hour to break this one down for you. Of course, we are sponsored by Prize Picks. We'll talk about some of those Prize Picks uh, throughout the show here. As one of the things of, uh, I kind of want to kind of incorporate Prize Picks, some of these props that uh, really do stick out to me throughout the show. Of course, we'll, we'll talk about the the ones we really love here about halfway through the show. Of course, you know the deal. Be sure to hit up. <laughs> Be sure to hit those questions up in the YouTube chat as, uh, you know, uh, my guy, Pete, uh, Pete, did you get a new chair? You look a little different today.
3: No, I didn't get a new chair. You know, what's going on over here, Jason. And what's up everybody. It's a disaster over here. Um, but it's okay. I, I'm happy to be here. And, uh, yeah, computers breaking motor in the car is blowing up chairs, you know, temperamental. It's just ridiculous. So we're banking the tournament this weekend. We have no other option.
2: so you're telling me there's a larger list of things that that 200k is going to go for
3: oh absolutely and of all weekends this is the weekend that we needed to happen so
2: (laughs) yeah I I will tell you just kind of obviously as we do this show FanDuel salaries have not come out if they come out during the show we'll, we'll mention some of those salaries you know just kind of thinking about some roster construction before we kind of start breaking into the fights I mean look you talk about you know, we, you, the term we hear on the gambling side of thing is value, boys. There's mm-hmm. some value on this car on the DraftKings. Slamming in mean, hell, you you look in the main event, co-main event. You got two 7,000 fighters that I think there's one 7,000 fighter I want to get to much more than other ones. But to me, like there are fights on this car that I go, man, the likelihood is the winner's getting getting 100 points. Or greater than 100 points, but man, there is some volatility in those matchups. Like to me, Derek Lewis and Sergey Pavlovich, two guys who I mean, let's just call it what it is. They're going to go in the center of the cage, and they're going to throw them bungalows. Derek Lewis may only throw 10 strikes, but one of those 10 strikes may yeah. end up, you know, you know, ending the night here for Sergey Pavlovich. And of course, you know, we'll get into that. Or, you know, Kosuke and blood diamond, I think is another one of those matchups. Like, like those two matchups, I will tell you are going to be priority fights for me today for on this slate, but man, it has got, you know, high volatility on both sides.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can, you can already bet that some of your losing lineups are going to have single digit performers. It's just a given. Um, and uh, you know um, some volatile matchups looking for, Looking to see how a lot of these fighters that are handling defeat, how are they going to come back, right? Um, Was the damage in their last fight too much? Are they able to overcome that adversity and get back in the win column? That's a lot of pressure to get back in the win column. Um, In addition to that, like coming off of crazy damage, even like Drew Dober, right? Against Terrence McKinney took a ridiculous amount of shots and tons of damage. It was very, very close to getting stopped in round one. And persevered and was able to come out ahead and get to victory. But man, interesting slate. I think it's going to be a really high scoring slate. I, th- I said that last weekend and I was incorrect. It was a little, a little bit of a dud. Um, But I, I think this weekend is going to pop off.
2: this uh, super chat. We already got from Sam and Sam appreciate the super chat. He says, hope this car is better than the last. How should fighter, how should fighters, should we, we emphasize into groups between underdogs and or darts. And this is something that me and you talk about on the show all the time. Of when you're you're over in Fancy Crunch or over at stochastic.com and you're putting together groups. Now, like when we're talking about MMA, you know, we, we constantly talk about an under underdog group. I don't really necessarily put a dart group together. It's more for me when I'm playing underdog. It's more of me thinking, okay, if they can come through, they're going to be an optimal type score.
3: Yeah. So uh, I always prioritize certain fights and granted you have two title fights on the card. So I think you have to get to at least one of them. The likelihood of both of them not making the optimal lineup. um, I think is pretty slim. I'd say it's under 10%. I think one of the fights are going to sneak into the optimal lineup. And the Nunez Pena one is it's difficult for me to get away from, uh, the flyweight matchup between Moreno and Kaikara France is going to be high action. So th- that's possibly fantasy points galore, but the, the thing with flyweight matchups is that they tend to go the distance. So even if they negate each other in some of these, some of these, uh, scrambles and certain aspects of the fight, does the DFS score, you know, equal out, especially on this card. So we'll have to see, but, um, As far as underdogs, you already know that 8,200, 8,000 fights is going to be a priority fight for me. It's just Mm -hmm. super, super cheap. It sneaks into your lineups more often than not. And it's one where I'm not expecting it to go the distance
2: yeah no question about it. of course appreciate everyone tuning in here for the MMA strategy shows get ready for UFC 277 of course uh, be sure social support for you guys here hit that thumbs up button that really does help us a lot as well of course uh, be sure to subscribe to Stochastic right here on YouTube hit that notification bell so you know when the show is live here on the channel and if you're not a member over at Stochastic.com you want to get a little peek what's behind the paywall Takes free premium day and tools our MLB player projections and PG GA top golfers and also we do have something new over at stochastic.com is if you want to try out our tools for MLB DFS we have set our tools and projections for night slates 100% free so it's a great way to kind of test out everything that we offer if you're on the fence of to subscribing to stochastic.com of course uh, later on today you got MLB deeper dive starting at 5 o'clock eastern time of course uh, that is definitely something I'm going to be checking out as uh, you know I, I, I got man Pete got off to a great start last night Fanduel downhill (laughs) downhill man i i i I was driving home from the office a little late and i was like oh let me check my 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 150 Fanduel max i'm like oh man i'm in fourth place oh Oh, geez it's went downhill from there the swings (laughs) of dfs brother
3: yeah the swings (laughs) of dfs i was doing great in nascar over the weekend until i wasn't so uh that's just how it is, and.
2: Uh, oh, you Please tell me you're not that guy. Is checking your your NASCAR standings during the race? You can't do that, bro. No,
3: but like when the majority of the race is fine, and then Chastain gets wrecked, it's you knew you knew it was coming, but uh, of course I was overweight to Larson and Chastain, it did not work out. But um, yeah, I mean GP GPPs are fun. Uh, single single entries are a uh, in a world of their own. You have to be very very sharp. But as far as 150 maxes, man, the swings are crazy.
2: Yeah, man. In NASCAR, dude, it's so tough because things can just change in an instant. Oh, my God. And especially that, that you know, that last lap. You hope the, your guy doesn't wreck out here. But, of course, we're here to talk about the UFC. And let's hit right into our main event. Julianna Peña defending the women's bantamweight title against a man, Nunez. First time that met was seven years or seven months ago. I'm saying years, seven months ago. Uh, And of course, uh, in that one, Amanda Nunez was what? What, 10 to one favorite? Eight to one favorite? Something along those lines. Uh, Now she's still the favorite here in the rematch. She's 9,200 on DraftKings, 7,000 on FanDuel. Amanda Nunez, a minus 270 betting favorite in this one. And, uh, you know, Pete, you know, one of the things, and I, and I sent this note over to Pete, when we're talking about UFC title matches that are immediate rematches, 11-2 is the fighter who won the first fight. So if you're a Juliana Payne, which obviously she has great value here uh, in this matchup, that one definitely sticks out to you. But there's a a quote I saw earlier over on Instagram that I want to read to you, Pete, and I just want to get your instant reaction to this one. Okay. This is Juliana Pena yesterday. I'm going to stand there toe-to-toe with the best in the world, and I'm going to give my best, and we're going to see whose ovaries are bigger. I'm willing to bet that's me.
3: Hey, as, as I mentioned in the Odd Shopper video, if you haven't checked it out, please do so. Every week, Jason and I, it's it's we go through the main card, breaking it down from a betting perspective. It's called Takedown City. I mentioned that I think in 2022, Juliana Pena has a little bit more of a dog in her than Amanda Nunes. So I, I can basically draw some similarities to what she's saying and to what I'm saying. I, I do think that she, when push comes to shove, she's going to have that little grit that's going to, you know, make her persevere if there's any adversity. You saw it in round one. She was getting, she was getting walloped at points, and it didn't look like it was going to be a, uh, you know, a, a crazy change in the tide. You thought that she was on her way to getting finished. And then you see Mana Nunes come out fatigued. And I really think that Juliana Peña, you know, developed a ton of confidence from that. And the confidence of Amanda Nunes definitely diminished after that fight. And with all these, you know, outside changes, changing camps, pointing the finger and not necessarily taking ownership of, you know, the the first defeat. Uh, you know, American Top Team was the reason w- that you are Amanda Nunes, right? And now that you basically go away from American uh, American Top Team and you start your own gig, um, obviously the dynamic between her and Kayla Harrison was quite awkward, uh, and shame on the gym for doing that. But um, I don't know. I, I don't like all these changes. Truthfully, I, I think that Juliana Pena is, go- is going to retain the title, and I think she's going to, you know, go out there and shock the the doubters once again.
2: I there's. I I watched the countdown video and I watched Mm -hmm. a couple of the episodes of Embedded. I mean, look, there's one of these things of the thing that's most comical to me about Juliana Payne and her team is they truly believe this narrative that Amanda Nunez ducked her for years. Like, it is amazing like, oh yeah, so she should have fought you instead of a massive payday to fight Ronda Rousey. She should have fought you instead of a massive payday for Chris Cyborg. It's things like that, but there's this one of these things of I'm not sure what to expect out of Amanda Nunez in this one. How much was COVID part of her performance back at UFC 269? How much of it maybe are we seeing the downside of Amanda Nunez? She's 35 years old. And for the most part, you know, you see, you know, when fighters become this age outside of the heavyweight division, typically you start to see a regression in terms of their abilities, you know, when I hear that line, I'm going to go toe to toe. I don't think that's a smart game plan be like, to me, if you're Juliana Pena and, and look, and Sammy was asking about, you know, will Juliana Pena be chalk? I think she'll absolutely be chalk in cash games. Yeah. If you're playing any type of cash game, and and you don't roster Juliana Pena. Just imagine whether you're playing a head-to-head or something else that a lot of people are going to have Juliana Pena. I love the value here on Juliana Pena. But look, I want to get to Amanda Nunez as well because we know the power that she has in her hands. And I do wonder maybe if there is a false sense of security because of how the first fight went with Team Pena that they kind of believe we can have a brawl against a man Nunez. I don't know what to expect out of man Nunez. I have no idea, yeah. but like, in terms of like, if you tell me this fight ends in the first round, I think that is a man Nunez knockout victory. If you tell me this fight hits round three, to me, it is a vantage Juliana Pena.
3: I'm, I mean, I'm a little bit more confident in Pena, I, I think. And the reason is because we already saw this unfold. There's a lot of intangibles that go into that bout, obviously, um outside influences the drama within the gym um cardio possibly covid possibly injuries all that no fighters 100 percent when they walk into the octagon and i always thought that amanda nunez had questionable cardio it's just a matter of if she could be tested and if she could be the same fighter on the back foot as she is when she's the one that's advancing so uh you're great as the hammer how are you as the nail as i've always as i always say mm-hmm. And I do think that Pena can weather the storm a little bit more than Amanda Nunes can in 2022. Now, if you really want to look at it from a value perspective, you're getting what was once a massive favorite in Amanda Nunes at an extremely discounted price. So even on DraftKings, I would imagine Amanda Nunes is going to be one of the most chalkiest and popular plays on the slate because people are are basically thinking that first fight was a fluke. If you believe it was a fluke, then Amanda Nunes should be a priority play for you. I don't necessarily think it was a fluke. I think this is somewhat of the changing of the guard. So I'm going to be favoring Juliana Pena in the matchup and her price tag is broken. It really is broken and allows you to get to so much on the entire slate. So, uh, uh, you know, you can make an argument from either one. I just, I really like the pressure and the pace of Juliana Pena. And even if you look at it on paper, she shouldn't have won that first fight, but it's really hard for you to try to sway me another way. When I saw Amanda Nunes break as she did.
2: You know, look, I, I'm interested to see what that FanDuel price is on Julia Payne because I think that's, I think we'll probably maybe have a little different in terms of slate. I would imagine she's probably at least $16, would just be my guess. So I think mm-hmm. on the FanDuel side of the equation, it's going to be a little different. Uh, you know, and when you look at the price picks props on this one, the one that sticks out to me is the Amanda Nunez takedown landed prop right now that sits at one and a half. I like the under on that one, just because if you're a man Nunez and we always talk about what is the best path to victory, I just, you know, I mean, look, if she can be in top position, okay, that's a good path to her victory. But I just think of if you're a man Nunez, you want to keep this five on the feet. That's why I do like the under uh, one and a half in terms of uh, the takedown prop over there. I know Samuel mentioned he already played some uh, surprise picks based on our odd shopper video, but the on prize picks, that's one. That does stick out to me. Now, the co main event is also a five round fight interim flyweight title matchup. This is a rematch between Bram Moreno and Kai Carr France. 8,900 for Bram Moreno, 7,300 for Kai Carr France. And going back to our first matchup, which was a three round fight, Kai Carr France got off to a great start. Bram Moreno took the second and third round. Big story with Bram Reno leading into this matchup is the changes that he has made with his coaching staff. He left his longtime team there uh, in Tijuana, now do, uh, splitting basically splitting his training between Las Vegas and Lee Selton, Missouri. James Krause is essentially now his head coach. If you watch the countdown video, and I know there's some people that are subscribers to our site that may not be the biggest James Krause fan, even if you're not the big James Krause fan, go watch that countdown video because James Krause talked about his philosophy as a coach. And I thought it was a really interesting philosophy He says he goes, and he correlated to a football coach. He said, he goes, I don't look at as an entire game. I don't look at as a quarter. I look at, I don't look at as a half. I look at as each individual play of how we can correct our mistakes from each individual play. I don't know how much changes he can make. Ram Rayo to me, where, The difference in this fight really could be, and especially from a DFS perspective, Pete, is potentially his ability to take this fight to the ground.
3: Yeah. I mean, I I really like James Mm -hmm. Krause because I I think that he's a great strategist and he can develop a strategy to, you know, complement Brandon Moreno's strengths. I think that his track record inside the UFC for being a smaller gym isn't the best, but you're comparing it to American Top Team, which... You know, is the best gym in the on the planet right now, or in some other crazy gyms as well. So it's a gym on the rise, and I think a lot of his reputation is going to be uh, determined on how Brandon Moreno uh, performs on Saturday because uh, you know you have Brandon Moreno, who was, you know, the champ at one time. And then you, you know, I, I thought that he was going to have a ton of more success in the grappling department against Davis and Figueredo didn't really go to that well and chose to stand and strike, which turned out to be a recipe for a disaster because it allowed Figueredo to just pick him apart at times and land a ton of damaging shots. In 2022, I am a little bit worried about Moreno's chin because in the previous matchup against Figueredo, he was knocked down three times. And a, a normally a durable fighter in Brandon Moreno, his, uh, his tendency for striking defense is to keep his chin sky high in the air. So uh, I'm a little bit worried about that against Kai Car France, Kaikara France hit him with a really good shot in their first encounter and almost knocked them down. Wasn't scored as a knockdown. It was pretty close though. So, and Kaikara France has been on fire. This kid has looked amazing. Obviously his Achilles heels, his wrestling and his grappling. That is the best path to victory for Brandon Moreno is blend everything together. Blend your striking into your takedowns. James Krause has a beautiful system of takedowns against the cage. Utilize that grappling to win rounds, solidify rounds, and test the submission defense of Kaikara France. He's not going to be as dangerous a fighter if you really incorporate your wrestling. If not, you're going to allow him to compete and possibly beat you. So uh, I think the value on both fighters is fantastic. 8,900 for a fighter that has tremendous grappling upside, even finishing upside in Brandon Moreno. Totally fine with it. Kai Car France because of his volume and his striking and his power. Elf late, that's been on uh, on full display. Seventy three hundred I think is a great price tag as well. Stacking this fight is an interesting interesting uh, little uh, strategy for this for this slate. I'm not against it. It's flyweight. It's probably going to go the distance. Uh, tons of activity. I am favoring Brandon Moreno because of the grappling upside. Now, does he choose to do it or does he not? Does he you know regress? Does he completely? you know, look like he's on fire and in the best of his career. That's what we'll have to see on Saturday night. But I think Moreno has all the tools to get this done in, in a decisive manner.
2: And in terms of, you know, like, look, if you're, if you're looking for some cheap cash plays, I could very well see where you just pair Pena and Kai Car France together. And then at that point, it allows you to get to whatever you want to get to in, in terms of, of the rest of your, your lineups here. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things that it, to me, the grappling edge, I think could be a huge advantage, uh, you know, for brand Moreno uh, in this matchup, of course, uh, when you want to get access to all the great premium day and tools, we have over at Stochastic.com, you got to sign up for a Stochastic Plus Platinum Pass. Of course, this gives you full access to everything we got over there at Stochastic.com, including player projections, ownership projections, lineup builder, our premium Discord channel, and so much more. And if you are a new Stochastic Plus user, we got a great deal for you to take advantage of. As you can save 50% off your first week of any Stochastic Plus Pass. All you got to do is click the link in the video description below to activate this offer or you can head over to our join page at stochastic.com and use the promo code MMA Strategy Show. That's all caps, one word MMA Strategy Show for 50% off your first week of any weekly package. And of course, for you just want to play MMA DFS, we've got a weekly package over there for you. So be sure to use that promo code because when you use that promo code, that lets the, the team over here at stochastic.com know you heard about it right here on the MMA Strategy Show. It's a great way to show your support. For myself and Pete, of course, uh, I already downloaded that top fighter tool. And uh, there was something, there was some interesting data there in, in that top Fighter tool that definitely stuck out to me. That uh, will definitely, uh, if, if those numbers stay kind of where they're at right now, it's going to kind of alter uh, some of the things that I do here uh, with developing my multi entry lineups. Uh, Sam uh, Pierce, I appreciate you in the super chat. He goes, I think Nunez will lead the hype. And with the new kid, she gave the time to the wrong things. I think she will have a brand new hunger. Um, What I would say that to Sam is, is there was an article I was reading over, I want to say it was on ESPN.com. And it was where Nina Nunez, her wife, said to her that, she should have pulled out of 269 that her body was not uh, in the right condition. I mean, look, we're gonna find out on Saturday night how much of that was legit, or how much that maybe is an excuse there. Uh Sam says he goes, What's your guys' thoughts over lineup? I've been playing with Dober, Kaikar, France, Morales, Nurse.
3: Nunes. Yeah, He said, Nunez.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh Polish Anthony Smith. Um,
3: a lot of fights not, we're gonna I, get to, but I, a lot uh, of
2: fights we're really gonna get to. I will tell you this: I'm not, I'm not in love with Anthony Smith this week.
3: <laughs> I can't, I can't wait to talk about that. I do think that there is a ton of disrespect towards Anthony Smith. Um, but I, I do favor Ink Alive.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll get to that here in a moment. Let's get to a heavyweight match routine. Derek Lewis and Sergey Pavlovich. Eighty-two hundred for Sergey Pavlovich. Eight thousand for Derek Lewis. And uh, I mean, look, these two guys, they love to throw hands. I mean, that's about the best way to put it. Uh, You know, to me, the question on the Derek Lewis side of the equation, Pete, is what is Derek Lewis right now? One of the things of it's kind of always been the really this unknown with Derek Lewis is how healthy is he into, into walking into the matchup? You know, he's had the back issues for a long time. You look, and and on the other side with Sergey Pavlovich, one of the things I question is, okay, He's put off the, these great first round knockout victories, but it's not against top 10 competition
3: against who? Yeah. Uh, That's the issue here. Right. And uh, it's a good point, Jason. Um, This is a very difficult matchup because you have Derek Lewis, who is an oddball and you never really know how his health is. You never really know how his motivation is. And he's coming off of one of the worst defeats of his career, if not the worst and uh, Tai Tuibasa, man, really face-planted him in that matchup. And uh, it looked good early for Derek Lewis. I mean, he landed two takedowns. He was landing some big shots. I thought he was en route to, you know, getting another finish. And Tai Tuibasa is just, his his chin is ridiculous. And he was able to, mm-hmm. you know, reverse position and, and and start landing some big shots on Lewis. And I believe it was an elbow um if i'm not mistaken i just remember it being a devastating knockout and uh, i was like goodness gracious and uh in 2022 how do we evaluate derek lewis as an underdog it's a very interesting spot and probably i'm going to lean in his direction just because he has so many knockouts within the division he's seen everything yes he has of days ago output very lethargic at times backs up allows his opponents into the fight makes them feel comfortable lands a big shot and all of a sudden he you know, from the jaws of defeat walks away with a victory. I think that um, I think I'm still going to side with Derek Lewis just because I've seen more against top competition. Sergey Pavlovich has all the skills to put away Derek Lewis and Derek Lewis does not like to get hit. Not many people do, especially in the heavyweight division. I'm going to be pretty close to 50-50 on this fight, but it's hard for me not to lean towards Derek Lewis when it's $200 $200 savings and I can get to them in a ton of my lineups.
2: Pete, I know you coach fighters. Yes. I think Joshua has a suggestion for you. What's up? Shoeys make chins. Great.
3: Hey, hey I, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't hate on Josh with that comment. They might, they might. I mean, if you're willing to do some crazy things and you know, that, that was just a, a wild fight and, uh, I'm going to have tons of of exposure to both Sergei Pavlovich and Derek Lewis. You're looking at Derek Lewis's record. It's, um, you know, much more impressive than Sergei Pavlovich, but it's 2022. And from what Derek Lewis was saying in an in interview, he said that he switched things up. He switched camps. I can't really tell if he's lying or telling the truth. So it's very hard, but he said he switched camps up and uh, he's back to having fun and enjoying training again. So, he said that he's doing everything that he should have been doing all along. I'm leaning towards Derek Lewis at 8,000.
2: I want to get to both sides of it. I mean, look, mm-hmm. you talk about boom bust of this fight card. To me, this is this fight. For sure. The the one problem you have with Derek Lewis is he's not a volume puncher, but you mm-hmm. do know he, he can end your night with one punch. Uh, and Pavlich, I mean, look, just my concern with him is, it's just he hasn't done it against the, the top of this division. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Samuel, appreciate your super chat. Uh, we'll talk about these short nose fires as we get to them, as we have four fighters stepping up here on short notice. Uh, Sam uh, Pierce saying he goes, Lewis did horrible with hometown jitters. I mean, look, it's. That that's the one thing that to me is makes MMA DFS such a a tough sport is you just don't know what the psyche of of a fighter is heading into a matchup. I mean, this is I mean, Pete, you can talk about this. Uh, this sport, I mean, like to me, this is one of the most mental sports there is out there that's because it. yeah, like when when fighters open up to me about that side of the sport. In a way, I think you're kind of blown away about how much of this sport is mental as opposed to physical. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, yeah, and like I, like
2: like like last week's commentary. I thought Bisbing and Feller did a great job talking about Jai Herbert during that fight. Of you're trying to bounce back from a fight where you got brutally KO'd, mm-hmm. and Felder and Bisbing were basically saying like, "Hey, this guy is clearly fighting tentative because of what happened in his last fight." Yeah. I mean, you can't
3: really just like erase the chalkboard and like start fresh. All these bad memories are still lingering in the back of your head. Um, these, when you're getting knocked out the pressure, all everything that's on the line is still right there. So you have to balance putting that aside and focusing on the task at hand. And I always say to my fighters, this game is much more mental than it is physical, much more mental. You hear about people that are able to, uh, you know, perform so well in the, in the gym. And then under the lights, it's a completely different game. I I always bring up Clay Guida against Anthony Pettis. I was out in New Mexico training and Clay Guida was getting submitted by people that were low, low, low level, you know, pros. And uh, especially with the triangle and and just not being the best gym competitor under the lights, he's a different animal. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's game on for him. So um, that's the intangibles that we really can't correlate or put a finger on. So I'm always going to make sure that I, you know, for my lineups, I construct with variants and I, I add randomness as well. So using the tools on stochastic.fantasycruncher.com allows it to be, you know, it's really easy to make lineups and account for some of that variance.
2: You know, Samuel says, he goes, how does camp switching help a fighter? Samuel, to me, that's a case by case basis. I, I think it's sure. depending on, what is that fighter looking for? I mean, there's a lot of fighters who, you know, they're at a smaller gym and then they decide, you know what? I want to go to a super camp because, Mm -hmm. and it it may not necessarily be about the coaches. It's about the bodies in the room. Like, I mean, take American top team, take Kill Cliff FC, um, AKA Jackson's. I mean, I mean, name the team it could be as much about those bodies in the room as opposed to who the coaches are. Yeah. And,
3: and weight classes are different too. Like um, it's hard for big guys to find other big guys to train with mm-hmm. like uh, yep. heavyweight switching camps is one of the most difficult things um, because it, the, the skill gap is, is crazy. It's wide. Um, whereas a lot of, I mean, a lot of gyms, 55 and under you could, there's, there's plentiful, you know what I mean? Like plenty of training partners. So, um, I'm interested to see if Derek Lewis looks better or worse, but of course I'm going to let his UFC resume sway me in his direction ever so slightly.
2: Next up, we got a flyweight matchup between Alejandro Pantoja and Alex Perez, 7,500 for Alex Perez and Pantoja. He is 8,700. And first off talking, Alex Perez has not fought since November of 2020 when he lost to Divison Figueredo. You know, he's had some fights that just ultimately did not come together part of the, I think the story with Alex Perez is we got to see what he looks like on the scale, Pete on Friday. Of course, remember yeah. he was supposed to fight match early this year, fight his pull after the weigh-ins with uh, you know, his weight cut. So to me, part of, of that, this equation is going in there and, and seeing what does he look like on the scale?
3: Yeah. So I, I think the absence from the cage is a, is a red flag. I always bring it up every single slate. Um, I, I like fighters that are acclimated especially when they're jumping in against a top competition. So Alex Perez looking to come back with a long absence and a ton of canceled bouts to go up against one of the most dangerous guys within the division against Alexandre Pantoja. You're going up against an a, a plus opponent, right? He needs to get back and get his feet under him with a B B minus type of opponent. And I think the Matt Schnell fight made a lot more sense than this one. Uh, looking to get back in the cage and not not skip a beat against Alexandre Pantoja, especially when you struggle in the department that he excels at in the grappling, in the submission department, blending it all together. Um, yeah, I, I'm favoring Alexandre Pantoja here at 8,700. Mm-hmm. We always talked about the skills of Alex Perez and and uh, always thought that he's one of the guys that's going to be nipping at the champ's heels. He definitely can still be that guy. Mm-hmm. It's just in 2022, what has he been doing? I don't like the fact that he's had he... numerous canceled bouts.
2: Well, he's essentially the assistant head coach at Team Oyama.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's good, right? Like, it's not like he's uh, sitting on the couch eating Cheetos. He's um, enjoying. What's, wrong, what's wrong with
2: that? What's wrong with that?
3: I mean, like, you can have Cheetos. I like Cheetos. I like I like eating chips. Okay. Chips are my all weakness. All
2: right. All right. Are we a Cheetos Crunchy or Cheetos Puffs? I mean, I'm not going to go get Cheetos.
3: It's, I'm a Doritos guy. I'm a Doritos guy. Cool, cool ranch,
2: bro. Cool ranch, bro.
3: You got to get the spicy. Spicy stuff is, is bomb.
2: Oh, but no, as man. long as as cool
3: long as ranch, you train bro. hard, as long as you train hard, you can have some doritos or some, or some uh some cheetos. But it's still not like competing. It's good, but it's not like competing. So, Alexandre Pantoja gets the nod for me.
2: Joshua, I I'm cheetos crunchy all the way, man. Spicy nacho. Probably the pulse just get suck up all your teeth. Look, you come here for DFS analysis, and you get a little <laughs> chip analysis along the way.
3: Yeah. Tyler, put a chip debate, put a poll in the chat right now. We got to figure out which uh, are we team Doritos or team Cheetos? Because I, I think it's Doritos all day long, not, not even both? close. Why not both? No, because it's not fun to say, yeah, both are great. No, you got to pick one, Jason, and it's team Doritos.
2: I, I got to go team Cheetos crunchy, bro. <laughs> oh, my God.
3: You would like Cheetos, uh, man.
2: What, what, what? Why are you hating over here, okay? The flaming
3: Hot Cheetos are, are slamming. They're great, but you're going to have a stomach ache for days.
2: I will tell you, salsa Verde uh, tortilla chips, mm, those are really good. If you can find those in your grocery store.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more.
1: Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. Just visit PrizePicks.com/play100 and use code Play100. That's code Play100 at PrizePicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy.
3: Look at uh, yeah, I mean maybe, but look at all lot of Doritos love in here. Yeah, I knew it wouldn't even be close. If we're gonna line the The Doritos versus Cheetos fight. Doritos is 9,500. Cheetos, 6,800 all day long.
2: So Tyler, just put the poll up. Uh, Cheetos, Doritos, Lays, or Ruffles? I've never been a big Lays potato chip guy.
3: Yeah, sour cream and onion Lays will literally
1: come for every chip's throat and leave no prisoners. (laughs) It is the greatest chip ever created. (laughs) And ruffles, I, I do that, yeah. ruffles with a little bit of ranch dip sauce, you're talking about a whole new world. Which that's cheating, obviously, in this poll. But yeah, the lays Jason. That's this. an egregious take.
3: Doritos <laughs> are dominating right now. That's what. That's what. That's that's exactly what I expected. And listen, if you come here for MMA knowledge and then you leave with uh, a little bit of a laugh and some entertainment, we're happy to have you guys here. And if you can hit that like button, get us over 100 likes, we really appreciate you.
2: Of course, the first fight of the pay-per-view. Big matchup in the light heavyweight division. Magomed, Ankalayev, Anthony Smith. Uh, Ankalayev, 9,400. Anthony Smith, 6,800. We got a uh, tweet last night. I want to pull up what the tweet was. It was basically saying, essentially saying, the disrespect that Anthony Smith is getting in terms of... ones. I mean, look... Should the, the line be a little closer <laughs> than what it is? And this was Dusty. He says, the disrespect is real this week for Anthony Smith. Hopefully I hear differently from Pete and Jason. Look, Ankalyev is an extremely talented. I, I think that we really have not seen him put it together. Where Here's where I do like him in terms of this price point from a DFS perspective. If he goes out there and utilizes his grappling, he could put up a massive score.
3: Yeah. I mean, I really like Inkalaya from a DraftKings perspective if he uses if he uses his grappling and his wrestling. Um, we've seen that Anthony Smith can struggle in defending takedowns from time to time. But what Anthony Smith brings to the table is that he is live to pull an upset from bell to bell. If you lose to Paul Craig in the waning moments of the fight you better believe that I'm going to think Anthony Smith has a shot. Now, I, I know that Anthony Smith has a ton of losses and he's not the most inspiring fighter as far as like, sometimes he, he can get bullied in the cage. And that's what I think is going to happen. Ankle is going to be bearing leg uh, leg kicks, body kicks, um, looking to counter Anthony Smith. I do think that the line is wide just because Ankle has shown fight IQ mistakes. And in addition to that, it's almost like, there's no urgency sometimes. And in DFS, we, we really like urgency because Mm -hmm. if you're going out there and just having too much fun, does that really correlate to a strong DFS score? So I'm going to have lineups with ink but I'm also accounting for the fact that he just goes out there and has a low output performance and Mm kind of just, uh, he wins the rounds. Um, but Tiago Santos dropping him a little bit of a red flag. I, I know that I really like Tiago Santos. Um, I'm probably going to have a few Anthony Smith lineups just because of who he's fought and what he's done in the division. And it seems like at this part of his career, he's hitting a different stride. I don't think that he's going to go and challenge for the title, but if you're not legit, Anthony Smith will sure find out. So it's ankle eye for me in hopes that he really utilizes that wrestling or he, he gets a quick round one KO by a body kick.
2: Samuel, uh, Anthony Smith's striking defense is 42%, uh, gets hit a little more than four strikes per minute. And Anthony Smith has been uh, really going around preparing for this one. Uh, Spent Mm. time at his home gym there in Nebraska, also went out to Colorado there at Factory X and also went over to South Carolina, uh, to work with, uh, the Thompson and Weidman crew that's over there, uh, in South Carolina. So he, he's kind of made his way around in terms of this one. Next up is the, uh, feature pretty little matchup is Matthew Schmelzberger taking on Alex Morono, 8,600 for Schmelzberger, 7,600 for Alex Morono. Pete, what you take?
3: Um, this is a tricky one, right? Because Semmelsberger's really got that power and, uh, it's a guy that I think has been overachieving in the UFC, but also a guy that's kind of like, well, I guess he is legit. Um, I didn't necessarily expect him to have this type of success inside the UFC. Alex Morono, another fighter that I have a little bit uh, a little bit of trouble evaluating. Um, on paper, it looks like Morono should have more skills, more ways to win, and the volume edge. But I, I mean, like Morono's to me, right? if I had a a fighter fighting Morono, he seems so hittable and I want to test that chin. So I honestly think that Semelsberger is going to land a big shot here. I'm favoring Semelsberger. I don't like him as a favorite, uh, especially with the favorite price tag. But um, like if Morono utilized takedowns more, I'd be like, all right, yeah, I can get behind Morono. Uh, He landed three against Reese McKee. He went one of five against Anthony Pettis. And outside of that, he's been content with just standing and trading. And, yeah, he could have the more the the volume edge over Semmelsberger, but the Semmelsberger power is legitimate, and I worry about him getting knocked out. So I'm going to be favoring Semmelsberger. But as far as chalk, Morona's probably one of the chalkiest decision fighters that's uh that's an underdog on the slate,
2: yeah. It, this is one of those fights that I think if if you're looking to make a GPP play to me mm-hmm. it's take Smelsberger or pass the fight, really? I mean, I so just, if you do. I, sh- I, the reason I say that Pete is yeah. I just see a Morono win being a 15 minute decision. And I just don't know at his price point, if a 15 minute decision is going to allow me to get to 650 points.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, re- I, it, I, I, mean yeah. I got,
2: I got to bake this tournament. I got to help my guy peak, get a new chair.
3: Yeah. Well, listen, the chair is at the bottom of the list. I, I need a, <laughs> I, I need a new vehicle. Uh, but for me, Don't overthink things sometimes still account for a low scoring slate. Sometimes these, these close decisions and these 70, 80 point winners as underdogs are enough to sneak into the optimal lineup because volatile fights, you know, fights ending in a draw or um, no contest or just fighters underperforming too. If no, if no underdogs come through and Morono is the only one, you better believe he's going to be in an optimal lineup. So, I'd say I would agree with you for the large part, but still don't discount that
2: possibility. Of course, this is the MMA strategy shows. We're getting ready for UFC 277. We are sponsored by Prize Picks. You got to check out all the daily prop based contests they have over at Prize Picks. Be sure to use that promo code AWESOME when you sign up, as they've got an instant first match deposit of up to $100. And Pete, as I look over at these props for UFC 277, there are several props that. Uh, stick out to me as we're doing this show here on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I mentioned about that man Nunez takedown prop of one and a half. I like the under in that situation. Uh, some other props that stick out to me. I like the under one and a half takedowns on Michael Morales, just because I, I just don't think he, you know, he's going to go with the takedown route there. Uh, Dracar close 60 and a half significant strikes. I like the over in terms of, of that one. Um, and some other ones that I think are, interesting i want to see how they kind of lay out here uh the drew dober fight time of 10 minutes uh is now nine minutes it was 10 kind of let me look at the over there um especially if it get if it gets under eight minutes um okay. and then the the other uh two that stuck out to me was the under 10 minute fight time on Dontel Maze. mays you know, low level heavyweight I matchup. So much. Um, and the other one on the fancy score, the one that stuck out to me is Orion Kosuke at eighty six and a half.
3: Yeah. So um, I really like the unders for the Koske and uh, the Morales fight. I, I just I have a lot of those in my pre-built lineups already. Um, and I think that you know the other ones that you mentioned are you know are fine as well. The eight and a half time for, for Orion cozy. I, I think it's going to go under, especially if you look at his record um, of how quick he finishes mm-hmm. and his path to victory over blood diamond. So uh, yeah, all in all, I, I think that there's money to be made on, uh, on price picks every week. And I, I enjoy it quite a bit.
2: And I talk about over on Prize picks. If you like a prop on Thursday, don't wait till Saturday to make your mm-hmm. play, make it now But there are going to be some props that it's like, okay, let me see how this one plays out. You know, like, you know, for instance, like if I'm looking at a prop that I want to kind of see where it goes, um, I would probably say something like the Jocelyn Edwards, eight and a half significant strikes landed. I kind of want to see where that one goes at eight and a half. I mean, I don't love that number. If he gets, if he gets, you know, under like, say, 78 and a half, I, I more like that number a little bit there. But you got to check over there at prize picks. Of course, use that promo code OSPOS. They got instant first match deposit of up to $100. Uh, mentioning uh, Drew Dober, we'll talk about him next as he takes on Rafael Alves. 9,000 Drew Dober, 7,200 for Rafael Alves. This is to me the question mark with this one. As I'm Rafael Alves will be in my underdog pool, Pete, by the way. Okay. He's got to use his grappling, though. He's got to okay. get this one to the ground.
3: You know what? I'm gonna blow your mind. And you and I don't talk pre-show. Uh, I'm picking Rafael Alves to win the fight, and uh, he's gonna be one of my most uh, overexposed underdogs on the slate, just because of where Drew B- Drew Dober's at in 2022. And the issue of Drew Dober is that round one against Terrence McKinney, um, he got taken down several times. He got knocked down. He got hit with so many damaging blows. And as Drew Dober always does, he weathers the storm. And if your cardio is suspect, or if you are a fraud in certain spots, he can go out and expose you. Um, he's done it time and time again, but I, I feel like he's, he's due to get knocked out. One of these days he's due to get knocked out and he's due to get, you know, submitted as well. We we've seen him get submitted. He's not the best fighter when it comes to grappling or wrestling, uh, Rafael Alves starts fast. He hits really hard. He has excellent chokes, beautiful guillotines. And uh, if you go back on his regional tape, he actually emphasizes the takedown a lot more than what he's shown inside the UFC. So on the Dana White's contender series, he, he got a second round submission over Alejandro Flores. Looked damn good in that. Uh, then they pair him up against Demir Zmogulov. Very difficult fight. Uh, got taken down twice. Um, knocked down Demir in that bout though. And Demir is an absolute stud. So I like that. And then he... Uh, he hurts Casey and then submits him with a guillotine choke. So I don't think we've actually seen all of his skills on display. And we saw one very very difficult matchup against Demir's Magulov, and he had his moments. So I'm picking Rafael Alves. I think the price is great at 7,200, but I also worry about him gassing out. Like I feel like the early portion of the fight can favor Rafael Alves, and then. As Drew Dober does in every single fight, can work his way back into the fight and test your chin and see if you are a fraud. So this matchup in general is going to get a ton of my ownership, and I'm going to be leaning in the Javier Alves direction.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just think if he can utilize that grappling, man, he's an interesting play there at 7,200. Next up, we got a heavyweight matchup. You got Dontel Mays, as of course Dontel Mays uh, getting a new opponent here. He was initially. Oh, Schedule to take on Justin Taffa, uh, take on Hamdi here. Uh, Hamdi, who has uh, fought, uh, he's only got three professional MMA matchups here. Uh, one of his fights was a bare or two of his fights were bare-knuckle MMA matchups for game-bred fighting championships. Um, you know, really, look, he, he hasn't fought notable competition. That That's part of me that just makes it concerning to roster him.
3: Yeah. I'm concerned about this fight in general. And, um, you know, we've seen more from Dontel Mays. So the price tag is okay, I guess, but as far as heavyweights, I don't really hold Dontel Mays in such high regard. This guy handy, new kid on the black, uh, new kid on a block. I don't really think that he's anything special as well. He has heavy hands, um, some wrestling background to him as well. It's just a matter of utilizing it in a certain matchup and Dontel Mays, you know, struggled against Crowder on Dana White's contender series. So I do wonder if there is a path to victory of Hamdi just taking him down. Alan Crowder took him down two times and ended up getting a TKO victory in the third. But Dontel Mays is a massive, massive human being. 6'6", uh, 81-inch reach. And Hamdi, man, he's he's going to be pretty undersized here because he's 6'2", 72-inch reach. So we're talking about a 9-inch reach advantage for Dontel Mays. Um, And just so many question marks and and unknowns surrounding Hamdi, especially his strength of schedule. I don't think Dontel Mays is all that good. I I have to be honest. I really don't. I thought that he looked great in uh, his bout against Josh Parisian, but I also don't hold Josh Parisian in such high regard. And uh, heavyweight MMA, if somebody comes out with that round one mentality, if Hamdi says, I'm going to push a pace and just try to swing and hit you and touch that chin in round one, he could easily walk away with this victory. And his hands aren't all that bad but his uh, his lack of defense is troubling. So, I mean, I'm going to lean slightly towards Dante Mays. If he's actually legitimate, he should get this done with relative ease, but li- literally no confidence with this matchup.
2: Uh, Joshua uh, Mitchell says, Hamdi has beat cans. Ever, yeah. ever told you a line that someone in the industry told me about cans? What? And the line was, you got cans, we got hands. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And
3: uh, you know, Hamdi, he did what he was supposed to do in some of those matchups. He got rid of his opponents quickly. Um, strength of schedule isn't everything because if you're winning and how you're supposed to win, it's okay. But to a point, you're going to get tested. And it's just a matter of if Dante Mays can test you in those aspects of your game.
2: If I said your least favorite nine thousand fighter is Dracar Close this week, would you say yes?
3: He's, he's a uh, bottom two for me. And I mean, I like Tracar close, but how I foresee this fight going, is it going to be a 15 minute war? Uh, they're going to test each other. And uh, Hoffa Garcia is going to try to implement takedowns and Trakar close probably going to get taken down a couple of times, stuff them and look to outbox Hoffa Garcia. I, I don't suspect he's going to get another finish like he did against Brandon Jenkins. I mean, the, the comp- skill comparison between Brandon Jenkins and Hoffa Garcia, I think is wide I think Hoffa is a much more talented fighter than Brandon Jenkins and poses a lot more different problems for Jakar Close. But yeah, I'd probably say that you know one of the I'm not in love with a lot of these nine thousand options this week. There's a few that I like, like I like Ankaliyev and I like Morales a lot at the top. But uh, Jakar Close might be one of the guys I'm going to be uh, a little light on this
2: week. You uh, sent me over your sheet of all all the stats on the fight, and mm-hmm. when it comes to this fight, the one stat that stuck out to me
1: More wow than ever.
2: 42% yeah. finish rate for Dracar Close. You know, I mean, look, he took on Brandon Jenkins. He did what he needed to, but Jakar Close is not a finisher. That's why the reason I don't love Jakar Close in this position is a price mm-hmm. tag situation. I do like that over 6.5 significant strikes over there on price picks, but like in terms yes. of from a, a DFS perspective and that race to get to 650 points, I just don't love Dracar Close.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, if he finds another finish, man, it, he's probably gonna be a little bit low owned and is in a nice leverage spot on this on this slate because of the other enticing nine thousand options. But I foresee this going the distance and I foresee Dracar Close walking away with a victory. But Hoffa Garcia is not a terrible underdog. Like he's a guy that could win a decision. So I'm gonna sprinkle him in some of my lineups.
2: Course, course. Uh, next up, we got uh, one of the biggest favorites on the card. That mm-hmm. is Michael Morales. Uh, hey, when you look at his opponent stepping up here uh, to take this fight here on short notice, comes over from LFA, uh, Adam Fugget, uh You know, Pete. I mean, like, like this should be a Michael Morales showcase matchup.
3: Yeah, I like Michael Morales a lot, and uh, against Fug, he's going to show his skills. Um, in the striking department. I think he could hit with a big shot, get him out of there. Um, Fuggett has been knocked out in the past, and uh, I know that he's talented on the mat. I do think that Morales has exceptional wrestling as well, and we just haven't seen it. Uh, I think that he's going to use his wrestling to keep it on the feet and punish Adam. So uh, 9,500 to knock out Trevin Giles and now going against a, a regional talent, Adam's not bad. Like, Adam's not bad at all but I, I think that this is a massive step up in competition, and uh, I think Morales is one of my favorite plays on the entire slate.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I love Michael's situation. I mean, look, he is taking on more of a grappler, so that's why I kind of look at this, and I think that you're going to see Michael Morales keep this fight on the feet. That's why, uh, you know, two of the the props over there on prize Picks, I really like with Morales, under one-and-a-half takedowns, under seven-and-a-half fight time minutes.
3: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I like, like Sean saying, Morales first round, easy money. I really like I really like Morales this week. Uh, it's going to be hard for me to not have him a part of my lineups just because I see his potential and what he can do to his opposition. And uh, I think it's an extremely winnable fight.
2: Next up, you got Edwards and Kim. 8,300 for Edwards, 7,900 for Kim. I don't love this fight for GPPs, Pete.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm actually okay with it. And the reason I'm okay with it is because of the the volume. Right. Like the finishing upside of either one of these is non-existent. Uh, Jocelyn Edwards, 8,300. Young Kim, 7,900. I'm suspecting it's going to go 15 minutes. and They're going to stand and trade. And uh, I think that Young Kim looked pretty good in a previous matchup against Priscilla great um, Granted, it was a loss, but she scored 68 points in the loss. So we're talking about a fighter that threw 375 significant strikes, landed almost half. So 170 of them um and scored 68 so if she gets that nod she's scoring 98 points I don't think she's going to have the same amount of volume because Jocelyn Edwards is a little bit better of a striker less powerful but you know it's going to be a little bit more technical uh G Yong Kim is going to be the lean for me and uh it's a value and it's squeaking into my lineups because I'm going to I'm going to like Pena this week and I'm just going to mix and match the others so uh she's going to be a fighter I'm going to get to and if it fits it fits G Kim for the victory
2: I mean, look, both of them should have volume in this one, but to me, it, it comes down to is can they get any knockdowns and potentially uh, rack up some additional points in, in terms of you know getting over 100 points. Of course, fantasy football season is quickly approaching, which means it's time to start prepping for your draft. There's no better way to start with our stochastic fantasy football and best ball YouTube channels. Click below to subscribe to these channels and turn on your notifications for daily videos from our team of fantasy football experts, which will give you an edge when drafting this season as, uh, we were what, two weeks away from, uh, from the per- first preseason game. Uh, at least I know for me, I'm two weeks out. <laughs> I think maybe the week Crazy. before we got, we got the hall of fame game, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's football seasons, training camps to start all around the league. I will tell you this, Pete, I don't miss having to be at training camp every day.
3: <laughs> you How say, about you Jason? Stu-
2: we used to camp in Orlando bro yeah Whew. long hot days bro
3: <laughs> yeah all I'm I mean I'm excited for football season I'm not necessarily prepared I got to do my research but how about Jason's team picking up Julio Jones goodness gracious so uh man oh man it's gonna be a wild ride we number 85 okay You got to get used yeah. to a
2: little different number for Julio
3: yeah, maybe it's a you know new chapter in his life. So that's awesome. Yeah, Jason's still covering Tampa Bay as always, and uh, he's lucky he gets to watch Brady play with all those weapons. So man, I'm I'm excited to just see him in the league again.
2: Yeah, we uh we start uh we start home against Miami in the preseason. Then we go to Nashville, one of my favorite road trips. Go to Nashville, mm-hmm. uh, always a fun time. If you've never been to Nashville, Pete, it's a good time. Like I'm not a big country music guy, well, but but Nashville is still. I, I don't know if you know this. Nashville is the Bachelorette party capital of the world
3: i was in nashville one time to meet with the promoters of strike force because they wanted to sign me and the meeting didn't go well so nashville left a bad taste in my mouth so i hate nashville um so uh you know but i'll tell you what julio did not that whole julio experience in tennessee did not necessarily work out so i'm excited to see if it was a, a fluke or if you know how he is in 2022
2: yeah, I am. I'm happy football season's back. Yeah, yeah I'm very happy. To have football season back in our life. We got two more matchups here left to break down here on the strategy show. We'll try to get through these ones. We have Eeyore and Nikolai Eeyore eighty four hundred. Nikolai seventy eight hundred. I feel like we have been against Nikolai every every fight in the UFC. <laughs>
3: You know, I mean, I necessarily haven't. And I think I might have talked you into getting on the, uh, the Nikolai train a couple times. I mean, especially against Ike Villanueva. Um, the Kenny and Chukwu, I still picked them. But I, if going back and watching that, I did not like the, what I saw from that. And I was like, yeah, that wasn't good. And also picking up a split decision over Alexa Kamer. So he's squeaking these fights out. But his issue is he's facing a guy, Ihor Pateria, who's extremely dangerous. But his strength of schedule is completely suspect like uh, he's fought low, low-level opposition. I do think that he has skills and he's dangerous, can hurt you on the feet, has good speed. Nikolai Nego mariano is extremely hittable. So despite all of the deficiencies surrounding his record and all the you know, the, the questionable opponents, I'm still going to be siding with Ihor Poteria here at 8,400. I don't love it, but I think that uh, he's going to be able to do enough and uh, win a decisive decision over uh, Nikolai.
2: Yeah, I, I like Ehor in this spot as well. Just I'm just not big on, on Nikolai. And then the first matchup of the night, we got uh, Koski taking on Blood Diamond. Blood Diamond, 7,400. Koski, 8,800. I mean, look, we all know Blood Diamond, very accomplished kickboxer, very good. But this is mixed martial arts. Koski training at Team Alpha Male. I mean, look, the game plan should be simple here, Pete.
3: Yeah, I I don't necessarily know if Blood Diamond is actually a good kickboxer. Like I I'm I hear everybody saying that. I watch the tape. I think he's all right. I mean, he makes a ton of mistakes. He looks sloppy. Um, it's almost look looks like he's like a part of that drunken style of fighting where he's just super reckless and wild. So anything stupid can land, and like a spinning back fist could hurt Orion Kose or. You know what I mean? Something from an odd angle, it, it, especially if you, you get them out of there before you get taken down. But uh, I have to side with Orion Kosey here. The takedown potential is great. The salary's fine. The skills that we saw, Blood Diamond, against my guy, Jeremiah Wells, he looked like he didn't really know that area of MMA. I'm sure that he's patched up, patched it up a little bit, worked on it a little bit, but it's going to be Orion Kosey for me. And uh, outside of something stupid landing, I think he, he – uh, he wins this pretty decisively. Just hopefully he doesn't gas
2: out. I will tell you this, man. Looking at leverage plays for this week, Kosuke is one of my leverage plays this week. I, I just see what, what the projections are right now with ownership. I'll be way over the field uh, in terms of this one. Of course, uh, Pete, let's get into our straight up five picks. And I want to start the first five of the night and work our way up, just see if we get a little different here. I don't think there's okay. any difference in the first five of the night. I'm pretty sure we're both going to be on Kosuke.
3: Yeah, Orion Kosi. Uh
2: second up, uh second matchup. I'll take Ehor.
3: I'll take Ehor as well.
2: Uh then uh third fight. Uh give me the underdog and Kim against Edwards. Yeah, G on Kim. Uh then uh then we got uh I'll go uh, Morales. Morales. Give me Jakar close.
3: Jakar Close.
2: Dantel Mays. I hate it. Dantel Mays. You you convinced me to definitely go in on this one, Rafael Alves.
3: All right, I'm gonna go Rafael Alves. Uh,
2: I will go Schmelzberger. Okay, same Schmelzberger. And Kalayev. And Kalayev. Antoja. Pantoja. Give me the Black Beast. I'm not. I'm not gonna bet against the Black Beast. Yeah, I'm gonna go Derek Lewis. Ram Moreno. Moreno. Here's where I think we might be different. I'm going to Man Pena. I'm going to Man Nunez. Oh Lord. Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, Lord. I, can't,
3: I can't fault you. I just I maybe I got blinders on, but I, I really I, I don't I, know. I,
2: look, it, it's to me, it it's not a like, oh my god, I'm I'm so on a Man Nunez. It's a slight lean here. Um, you know, I, I just look at it and say, is okay, if there was a lot of issues in that training camp. And how much that maybe did that hamper her, her physical abilities in those matchups? But who knows? Maybe after Saturday night, we're just going to realize we've seen the downfall of Man and Nunez, and I'll be proven wrong. But I'll I tell you, know. GPPs, am, am I having Julian Pena? Of course I am. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I don't
3: know if y'all remember the first fight, but Pete uh, went straight Nostradamus and actually mentioned that Pena beating Nunez was a possibility. You go go back and check the tape; it it's a real thing. A dude's from the future. I don't I know. Wish He's I wish I Jason. I appreciate that, Tyler. I wish I actually came out even more aggressively because the night before I had a dream that Juliana Pena beat Amanda Nunez, and I was too afraid to mention it on the stream. But obviously, a lot of people with you know hindsight twenty twenty can uh can can claim that now but i do think that the same thing's going to happen i think it's going to be I, a tko this time
2: i just if in being a paying backer in gpps and cash mm-hmm. my hope is she's a mixed martial artist if she goes in there and tries to have a kickboxing matchup i just don't think that's the smartest thing to do
3: yeah i also thought that um I also thought that Cyborg was going to be Amanda Nunez too. So we shall see.
2: (laughs) We shall see here. Uh, Samuel, appreciate you in the super chat. Let's start his over under seven and a half. Samuel, I feel like this is your best number in a couple weeks, bro.
3: Yeah, he's switched some things up in his personal life and uh, laying off some things because seven and a half is fine. Um,
2: What are you suggesting on, Samuel?
3: The two and a half was the worst line I've ever seen. Uh, I'm going to say under. I, I think it's about seven. It's a good um,
2: line. That's a good line. I'll say under two. It's right, I think it's right there, though. It's right there. Mm-hmm. I was just kind as of going down it, a list of, of the fights. I'm like, okay, that's got kind of a high probability. I was around seven. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and uh, real quick, you know, Mason Jones absolutely ruined everything for me last week, and uh, I think that was the surprise of the card. In MMA, there's always going to be surprises. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, you just have to account for variance with your lineups. I did not do so. Uh, I sometimes give great advice, and I do not take it myself. But, uh, yeah, I I was just going to go down with the ship of Mason Jones, and boy, oh, boy, did I go down.
2: Top two cash.
3: It's going to be Morales and Akolajev. It has to be.
2: I was going to say Morales and Bram Moreno. I'm take that. Take Morales that. takedown potential with Moreno is showing top two GPPs.
3: I am going to do fights. Main event. Okay. Hard to avoid. Yeah. Pavlovich Lewis.
2: I would agree with you there. Uh, top leverage plays. First five of the night is the top leverage play of this card. Yeah, I mean, it really is top dart place. How I, I feel like same. The question should be top dart place, not name a man, uh, not name Juliana Pena.
3: Yeah, she's not a dart play. Um, well,
2: for a price okay. point though.
3: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like the odds shouldn't be that wide. Um, no, I'm gonna say, like I, I think Javier Alves has a legitimate shot. Hafa Garcia. Might be an interesting dart play from just winning a decision.
2: Yeah, yeah I'm with you there. And by the way, I just check to see if Fandu will put the salaries out. They have not. Uh, top optimal plays. Uh, I think Sam, you got to be looking at fights here. Uh, to me, Lewis Pavlovich, um, and then both title fights. I, I would be relatively sh- surprised if both title fights are not in the optimal lineup. So that
3: was my common build when I already started hand building a few was. Get to both title fights, get to that 8,000 8, fight. Like I, that just allows a ton of roster flexibility as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like like a core place for me this week will be Moreno. Morales. Kosuke is more of a an ownership play more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Even though you know I hate playing the first five of the night. Um. And then it's just kind of sprinkling things in there. I mean, I I want, you know, I'm going to come up with a group when it comes to the title fights. I got to figure out how heavy I want to go in on the main event. You know, my guess would be I'm probably going to have probably 75 to 80% exposure on the main event. Would be my guess. Yeah,
3: I mean, I don't know how I'm going to avoid it, truthfully. I just...
2: I'll tell you this right now in cash. I don't think I can avoid paying you.
3: Yeah, and in cash also, the the co-main event, stacking the co-main event's a viable strategy. Like it it, it could go the distance and could have 60-70 points from the loser. So um I don't hate that either.
2: Yeah. So but of course myself and Pete will be here on Saturday. Five o'clock Eastern time for live before a lot to get you ready for UFC 277. Of course, appreciate everyone tuning in to this episode of the strategy show. Of course, head over to the Odd Shopper channel to check out Takedown Cities. We talk about the betting slate for UFC 277. Of course, at the show, in be sure to smash that thumbs up button. If you're uh, listening to us on the audio platforms, rate review. It does help us a lot, a lot as well. Huge thanks to our sponsor, Price Picks. Be sure to check out that deal they got going on for you when you sign up. Use that promo code. Osmo for an instant first match deposit of up to $100. Let's go wrap it up for this edition of the Stochastic MMA Strategy Show. We will talk to you on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Have a good day, everybody.